No, you're correct. You, you, you think you've committed a unique sin? No. None of it takes God by surprise. That is such a blessing. Boy, <laughs> Lincoln. All right, well, let's get this right. show started. Welcome to the Black Top Pulpit by the Church at Sunsides. I am the pastor of the Church at Sunsides, Andrew Cannon. I'm here with one of our church members, P.A., one of our elders, Albert Kester, and another one of our church members, Ken Duffy. Ken, say hey so people can see you on the camera. <laughs> he ain't going to say nothing. He's not going to say anything. Hey. 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 He's still in right. well, Guys, on Sunday, we were in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Man. Uh, what did you guys think of the sermon? Um, I don't know. It's not up there. It's down here. What are you talking about? Oh, the he's camera's right there. I know, but he's saying he can't. We're, the, the, our picture ain't up there. Oh, no, it's not. It's not up there. It's cheating. You're so good. we can't see. So <laughs> we can't see nothing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was awesome. There's a thousand you, you things. You weren't even here. I, well, I was, well, I'm never here mentally. But I mean, physically, I was not here. Good point. <laughs> straight up. I just can't. Yeah, I, 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 that was awesome. Yeah. Gunny says, are the authorities aware that I'm at large? Yes, but they just can't find me yet. I don't know if they're looking anymore. Hey, look there. There's, there's the, there's the, there's the ah, there. Purdy. Yeah. I'm gonna wow. have all kinds of chaos going on in my picture today. I have I have no doors on my my office <laughs> because I'm doing the floors. My 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 house is not arranged anywhere, <laughs> and my dogs are right. taking over in every room. So yes, oh that's fine. Well, yes, let's, let's, let's talk about Sunday's sermon. What'd you guys think? Or... Man, I thought um, all but, kinds of good stuff. Done. So, so uh, <laughs> yeah. did you, did you watch your PA? <laughs> Why did you with what with the who? He did. He watched it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had okay. to. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering like how in sync we're gonna be here. No, I I, I oh, yeah. appreciated um um learning learning things with no 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 jab there intended. <laughs> so so seeing something uh, unique uh, was. Or clarifying was was it was a um, blessing to me. Looking at uh, the specific area when it comes to the power, was it? Um, remind me of the context here. Was it the preachers? Or, oh yeah, is it, it was the teachers. At least I think it was alluding to the teachers of the church um, uh, having power or not, and then that that power being clarified and how how distinguished it can be. You know, it's it's like there's no. I guess the, the the plain reading of that leaves a lot to be answered. It's like, well, what kind of power is there in preaching? And and you can go all kinds of crazy ways with that, right? Yeah. Um, and then a very sound way to do, obviously, was, um, well, is your is your your teaching is it building up or is it dividing? I'm like, right. And that's really, really clear insight onto that specific area of teaching that is discernible for anybody. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful segue. Because I, I just wanted to, I, I, the thing that caught me 
right off the bat was if you say, does it divide or does it, you know, unite? And it's like when you admonish, you unite. But when you discipline harshly or incorrectly, you divide. And it's like so much time, if you got to be able to listen and be criticized with love with someone that loves you and not just saying you're wrong and disciplining admonishment. It just makes the difference. Yeah. And that would be the difference between um, admonition and uh, just ranting. Right. (laughs) Uh, It it seems to me, yeah, it seems Mm. to me that one of the more dangerous things a preacher can begin doing is just ranting about all the evils he sees. Uh, Sure enough, we see many evils in our time, but ranting about those doesn't help anybody. Uh, We need to admonish. Yeah. Well, the gospel is is divisive. I don't know if you realize it, but just you notice that in probably more in foreign countries that won't tolerate Christianity. Mm-hmm. You lose your family, you lose everything in this country too. You, your family can just walk away. I mean, think if I were a Mormon at home, I would tell them I've, I've decided to become a real Christian, the family would have nothing to do with me. Yeah, That'd be the end of it. And Christ said, I came, I, I came to bear a sword. I'm mm-hmm. going to set father against son, brother against brother, mother against daughter, because some will accept him, some won't, but but when you talk with people, Scripture says a soft answer turneth away wrath. Right. And it generally does. Sometimes it makes the person more angry, but eventually they, if you apologize and they go, oh, or whatever is required at the time. But when you're dealing with God's children, you got to remember they're God's children. And he'll take care. He'll take care of the real disciplining. <laughs> yeah. But, but he may use us in the church. Mm-hmm. We haven't had dis- a disciplinary procedure needed in the church since I've been here people people instead of being disciplined just leave oh yeah that's, so that's, just, that's they, they just leave because they, they don't want to hear it because their mind's made up you know uh-huh. it's sort of like me sometimes my mind is made up please don't confuse me with the facts <laughs> <laughs> that no. yeah but yeah, I think big time. I think screaming and yelling at people it doesn't do anything uh-huh. for anybody except set the other people Mm. on their defense mode and seeing when they're in defense mode and they're not an offense mode evangelizing is almost impossible that's true yeah then they can justify anything that they're doing and i found out that when when you answer someone seemingly in the ministry when you answer someone with a soft answer and you mean it from the heart and it's coming from what the holy spirit is telling you to tell them and if they get really really madder or more enraged it seems like Almost 100% of the time, everyone I've dealt with, the rage is not at me. The rage is within themselves. They're mad at themselves. And they know they're here in truth, but they're so mad at themselves for doing whatever it is they perceived is unforgivable that no matter what you say, even the soft answer will bring about their wrath. That's when the anger is more, they don't understand it, but it's more at themselves. Well, that's that's yeah. why Paul, I think, compared himself to a father as opposed to a tutor. Right? Yeah, that was good. And it's, uh, it's when good parents parent their children, really they're looking to train their children in the way that they believe is right rather than just 
punished. And that's the difference between discipline and punishment, right? To discipline is to disciple. That's why the root word is the same. Right. To punish is just to, to punish. Well, because uh, you embarrassed me somehow and I'm acting in my wrath rather than in my understanding. But you, you, you say, you had to say. Yeah. And you know, one of the things. Great. Sorry, we're delayed. (laughs) <laughs> I can hear myself with at least five seconds. <laughs> Another reason to move to in-person meetings, bro. Oh, <laughs> you, you said the, the, the saying of the statement, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Right. The first time I heard that, I thought that's one of the most <laughs> stupidest things I've ever heard. <laughs> right. Because how can they hear without a preacher? Yeah, how how can of... you hear unless someone is talking to mm-hmm. you? I read right, that. You know, and that, that old twaddle about I'd rather see a see a sermon and hear one. What are you talking about? What <laughs> sermon are you seeing me? I'm a sermon. A sermon? Are, are you serious? Come to church. I think that I think a lot of people use that term though. They're not using it correctly. They don't really understand what they're saying. They say, I would rather see someone do the gospel than have them tell me that. I, I seem to find out that might be a cop-out most of the time about we're not going to church. But but I, I you know what it really it is but I I also see that coming along as as okay watch my feet you know what I mean I'll tell you this all day long and and you can hear me but I need to back it up with see, doing it you know am I making did sense you, yeah, yes yeah, you are, yeah. but did you watch that that goofy movie a few good men yeah, you can't handle, handle the, the truth. truth. I know I, that, that's that was the a only good thing line. I remember about that movie. Is it? That's yeah. I can't handle, handle the, the truth. truth. Well, a lot of them can't. What, well, what you're getting at um, is how some people perceive the church meeting. Exactly, and they perceive it as a religious event. A church as something you do because you self-identify as a Christian, and there are a whole lot of issues represented there even, right? Um, but it's something you do. It is a compartmentalized part of life, and you go to church in order to hear something rather than participate as part of the body of Christ. And so people see church as doing church rather than being the church. And the message is is seen as the means and end, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. that message is actually to be effective. It is an efficacious message. It is to envelop all of life. And that's the difference between practicing a religion and being in relationship with Jesus Christ, um, whom we have given the title Lord because he is. Right. right? Yeah. To motivate them. Yeah. Well, I to increase the relationship. I heard that the word worship is an old, old English word, and it was used to to like an artist or a, or a farmer. His best offer was to worship. It, it. This is the best that he can do. This mm-hmm. is the top. They called some of their their leaders your worship because he is he is eminent. He is to be mm-hmm. worshipped, but not in the sense of God, but he. Right. You understand what I'm saying? So worship is is actually when you think about it, it we say it's a worship service. If it's a service, then we must we be must serving be serving in God way. in some way. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. the whole thing is just being the worship hour. No, worship is a it's a mode of living. It's your mm-hmm. lifestyle. 
Yeah. And it's represented when we gather as the church. Yes. Right. But it really encompasses all of life. Yes. Um, worship uh, comes from the root word worthy. Yes. Right? That's what I was trying Your to say. Your worthy ship. Yeah. And it's if we are worshiping Christ, it means we believe Christ is worthy. If we make it a priority to gather with the body of Christ on right. the Lord's day, then that, that there is a statement, Christ, you are more worthy than the chores that I have to get done. Exactly. Christ, you are more worthy than the money I think I have to make. Christ, mm-hmm. you are more worthy than the homework I think I have to finish. Christ, you are more worthy than my athletics. Christ, you are more worthy than my spouse who really just wants me to stay home, right? Christ, you are more worthy than my children who really are difficult to get out of bed, right? Christ, mm-hmm. you are worthy. Um, so our, our gathering on Sunday, it's, it's a statement of belief that Christ is sovereign, he is Lord, and he is the worthy one. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we make it a habit of neglecting the gathering together of believers, we are making a oh. different statement of worship. Yeah. I am worthy. Right. My money is worthy. Right. My school is worthy. My athletics are worthy. My spouse is more worthy than Christ. My my children are more worthy than Christ. And yeah. that's that's just blatant idolatry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, scripture. Let me let me chime in on oh, go ahead. <laughs> go for right. it. Go for it. <laughs> he has to I'm cut doing in. good. How are you? No, I'm just <laughs> Oh, oh, you're that he far behind. Good to be here today. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, welcome to the um, club. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say, so what you just said is so important. And one of the, the major difficulties that you have is the, 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 the people that would typically be the, the recipients of admonishing like Paul's doing because of that wrong understanding and wrong participation or non-participation with the churches, um, that, that would be typically and historically be directed towards uh, the majority of, not the majority, it would be a, a directed towards the people who were uh, misunderstanding what the, the body of Christ is. And the, the problem that we have today is it's the pastors and the teachers and leaders that need the admonishing because they're the ones that are catering to the wrongful mindset of what the church um, isn't. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they're now uh, adopting their sermons to, to, to please the attendees, uh, the consumers that go thinking that they need some type of, you know, little uh, inspirational quote or encouragement or financial advice to get them, you know, through the next week or so. The teachers and leaders, the, the elders of so many churches, and and sadly, you know, half of them wouldn't even understand what that term means anymore, um, right. are the ones who need the admonishing here. And what, what do you do um, for both the 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 leaders in that regard, but, but specifically and, and more tangibly, you know, for people who would be listening to this kind of idea, like what, what do people do when their leaders have betrayed Christ and, and adopting such a, a horrible view of the church? Yeah. Well, Malachi, yeah. Malachi addresses that. He, hmm. talks, he talks to the, the, the priest, you know, it's the old saying, if a fish starts, starts to stink from his head down. Well, 
so do organizations. That's not to say there aren't reasons why you, you cannot attend a, a particular ch- a church service. The scripture instructs us to all you do do to the glory of God. All you do, everything. There may be a Sunday when you need to stay home to minister to a sick child or a sick wife. Or, or a friend or, searching for Jesus. Or, yeah. But without that, it's, that's between you and your God. Right. And, and I'm not going to butt in on it, but if I don't see you for, for four or five weeks, I'm going to, to think to myself, uh, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What, what, you know, what, 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 why aren't you here with us? We, we, the people don't understand. We need you. <laughs> you know, yeah. Jesus doesn't need you, but he wants you. Right. But the church, the church has a need for people. I mean, the church is people. Mm-hmm. So come, come to the church. Now you're going to hear some things that may disturb you. Well, that's that's the word of God, not the church. Right. That's Christ convicting you, the, the Holy Spirit entering your heart and saying, hey, you need to change this mode of living or there's something here you're doing which is not right. Please stop it. Right. We don't like to hear that. We, yeah. we just we resist that because I'm a good guy and I'm OK. Right. Well, I'm not a good guy <laughs> right. at my base. I'm rotten to the core. Mm. I, I believe that I am. I truly yeah. believe that I my my filth is left to myself. I just it's yeah. it's atrocious. Yeah. And when it comes to so the the leaders being in sin and false teaching um, rather than the congregation, I think Paul did get at that in in the text. I didn't really focus on it, but I but I think he did because mm. I think. Paul is primarily talking to the church at large. Um, he's writing these things not to shame you, the church at Corinth, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors, that refers to the leadership of the church, right? So he's talking to the congregation here. If you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers, which is the situation in Corinth. Um, yeah. The teachers there are presenting themselves as tutors rather than fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Mm. They're talking about the entire congregation. And then verse 16, therefore, I exhort you be imitators of me, talking to the whole congregation. Mm-hmm. For this reason, here's where I think he uh, might get at how to deal with the elders of the church who are living in sin or, or who are causing division, who are teaching what is not right. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy. And who is Timothy? Timothy is an elder of the church of Jesus Christ by Paul's hand. Paul appointed him. I sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ. So Timothy is coming to practice church discipline here in this context. We can read between the lines there. Timothy's coming to practice church discipline with the authority of the Apostle Paul uh, at this particular local church. So Timothy comes with this letter. This letter is meant to admonish the saints there. And Timothy is there to put the elders of the church in their place. So when it comes to, and that's why we have a plurality of elders here, right? Um, that's why it is important for churches to work together in modern day synods and conventions and, and whatever for the purpose of sound doctrine. So that if elders do get out of line, there are other elders there. This is the first line, right? There are other elders there to come in and say, hey, we need to make some corrections. And then if those corrections are not made, whether they are moral corrections that need to be made or doctrinal corrections that need to be made, if those corrections are not made and there is no repentance, 
then those elders say, okay, now it's time to present this before the church and church discipline right. of, of an elder right. becomes, you know, the, yeah. the way to go. So, so to a- try and answer your question, Ken, I think that's uh, what that text would indicate. Um, yes. And we can look at others to see it more explicitly, but. Well, then one of the epistles, didn't Paul say you that preach against fill in the blank practice? Are, are you doing the same thing that you're preaching against? Oh, 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 that's big. And another thought that came to me out of the blue was Paul, Paul was all things to all men. He had Timothy and Titus circumcised, even though it was so they could present themselves as Jewish to the Jews and Gentiles to the Gentiles. Yeah, it it wasn't a matter of ritual. No, it was a matter of conviction. Exactly. And it it, it wasn't, it was sort of like, you know, I think baptism replaced Circumcision. Hey, careful with that language. Careful. That's a little too reformed, man. That's, that's, you're, you're getting into you're getting into covenant theology, and and the next the next line of argumentation is in favor of pedo baptism. So well, you're going to baptize my potatoes. Opinion, my opinion. My opinion on that. Potatoes. And that's a shame. Three dollars. Yeah. Used to be four cents. That and four dollars will get your beer down at the local gym mill. So you know. At the local gym, is that what you're local gym mill, yeah. Oh, okay, the gym mill. Have yeah. <laughs> you heard of gym mills and slop shoots? I'll tell you, those. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> <There you are. laughs> yeah. But I, I, Paul, I, you know, I think Paul was right when he said, follow me. There are, there are a few men in this church, I think, that could say, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, I truly believe that. That, that, is, that is a beautiful statement. That is, a, be imitators of me. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 you've got to really be humble to say that. I mean, and the reason I say that you've is either because you be, have to, you've either got to be really humble or really full of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> There's the rub. Mean, it's like if you, imi- if you no see. No in between on that one. <laughs> you know, you've got to make yourself, you've got to make yourself to where you can receive discipline if you're, if you're going to. And if, and if you, if you say, watch me and someone corrects you and they're correct, then you re- change and refocus. That just does nothing but build them up. I don't think there's any humble man than, than Christ Jesus. I don't think there's any humble person in all of creation forever and ever. Christ Jesus and he went around and said, yeah. I am God. Yeah. So I think yeah. about that. That's a humble statement. I, I think look at humility as power under control. Yeah. Oh. And he Christ oh, wow. had power, but he had it under control. And so he didn't he didn't have to tell everybody how great he was. They just knew it by watching observing him. If you if you have to try to persuade people you are a great man, oh, well, yeah, guess yeah. what? You're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I ain't going there, man. The answer is in the question. <laughs> if you ask the question, you have your answer. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I'm a really influential person, and I have a lot of lot of uh, people that like me. <laughs> Do you now? I, I paid five dollars for people like me. I gave Andrew five. I ain't given Gunny any money yet. There you go. To like me. So, Usually, so, I pay so, five dollars yeah. for my friends. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, so today, uh, Theology Tuesday. If you didn't Some know, is their money back. It's four twenty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we have a verse four twenty right here. Look at oh, this. Oh, do we really? Uh, what is it? First Corinthians four twenty says, "Smoke it up." No, it says, yeah. 
I do not. First Corinthians four twenty says, "For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power." What do you guys think about that statement? Because that's kind of the highlight of, of I, I think, the sermon. I think you hit it on the nail on the head. The gospel is words, but the kingdom of God is action. The gospel. Oh has man, power, that's good. And the kingdom of God is the power. For that is the kingdom and the power. power. Right? But the the word has power also because it's God's word. It's it's a word. I, Say I that talk, again. I talked with Kathy, and and she's about conversion experiences. Mm-hmm. She said, "Oh, I, I became a Christian at twelve. I believe her. I believe her. You know, mm-hmm. she didn't whip herself." And I said, "Kathy, you can't say that that's not that's not powerful. God the Father drew you to the Son, and the Holy Spirit sealed you. You got the you got the the Trinity was there. Mm-hmm. That how can that be trivial? That's not trivial. Yeah, no. no, that is paramount. That's mind boggling." Yes, it is. If we could really get a little inkling of, of Jesus, of, of, of really who he is, I don't know if we could live. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't know if we could. The, the, the disciples did, but that's, even these experiences, Peter experienced on the mountaintop, and he still mm. came down and was, was, can I use the word, an idiot? Yes. So I'm a guy <laughs> yeah. sometimes, and I come down, and I'm an idiot. It's, mm. it's, it seems that... that so I'm beginning to think that maybe those experiences are not meant primarily for you, but for other people <laughs> to encourage you, to encourage you to be all things to, to, to all men. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know, but I think that that's what you said. I agree. The word is not the kingdom. They're, they're, they're separate. Now the gospel's in the kingdom, right? <laughs> but it is not the kingdom. The kingdom is, it's the, the total lordship of Christ. Yeah. It's the people. That's it. What, what else can yeah? You know, what else can it be? A, a kingdom's got to have people. We can be king of nothing. Yeah. Ken, you are I, our, our resident post millennial. What do you think about that verse? Post millennial. Oh, oh, beyond the veil. <laughs> Um, I, man, I, 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 well, obviously, me too. Me too. It, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Post, pre, during. Yeah, I hear you. Well, unfortunately, um, I have experienced a little bit of division in my life regarding that. So, no, we're we're a strange breed for for some people. I don't know why it's yeah, so it's crazy to think through. People, which. People like to major on the minors and minor yes. on the majors, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, this is this is the thing that is um, so perplexing to me about the division. I'm not going to focus on the division about it, but we're talking about um, well, what is what is the power of of, of, the, of the kingdom of God? It's it's what we observe the gospel transforming. So we see, you know, re- relationships. You know, the, the husband and wife be be restored in a way that is um, good and righteous. You know, like we see the effects of this, of sin and the fall um, distort everything. Um, sin tainted mm-hmm. creation. Um, it, 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 it marred God's image over everything. And, and Jesus in the gospel tangibly and powerfully is restoring all of those things. And when you see a husband and a wife um, loving each other, serving each other uh, the way that God designed them to and, 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 and showing the love of Christ for the church in ways that 
isn't possible without the gospel, isn't possible without the intervention of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you have you have the, the family units, people parenting properly. Um, um, we talked about discipline versus um, punishment. Huge transformational change when you, when you love by disciplining instead of being angry and, and destroying and breaking down. And then you see this, this tangible power ripple through creation in all facets. You have the government, you have individuals, you have you have schools that are um, you know being being transformed uh, back to the the a more proper understanding of what it is to educate. It's like you know what we're maybe we should be taking all this responsibility away from the parents and and people are you know you know restoring themselves back to this idea that I'm I'm the educator and your discipler of my my child. Let me let me restore that. So some of it. Um, is, is gradual, and you could see uh, a huge paradigm shift over um, lots and lots of time. And other others is repetitious in people's individual lives. You see uh, the the reforming and transforming, and, and and power of God and His kingdom taking over their life as they mature and grow and learn. Uh, and the, and the Holy Spirit works in them individually. So so broadly, you could observe it throughout history, and individually, you can observe it in people's lives. And then that I think is like the key, uh, the key observable reality of the power of of God in His kingdom. And when I said when I introduced that idea, like this isn't something unique to, it's not unique to post millennials. Like like we would all say, you know what? Yes, the gospel transforms lives. Amen. You know, um, look at look at their their marriage. They're they're so happy and you know being built up. And when they fight and argue, they argue well. And and you know, it's it's like you we all observe and desire the same thing and see how the gospel affects life. But for some reason, we disagree on what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing to me. Um, even your most um, sincere pre-millennial still reveals themselves to, if they are in Christ, reveals themselves to, to apply the text in a post-millennial way. Like, yeah, Jesus is actually changing lives, which means his kingdom is here. Right? Yep. Um, so it really is amazing that even if you take a position confessionally, that is, um, outside the realm of historic orthodoxy, I'll put it that way, that if you believe the Bible, somehow the Bible still brings you in. So even though you confessionally take this position, it's like the Bible's still like, yeah, but he's here. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, it really is, really is kind of amazing. Um, and, and God sneaks stuff in like that. Like uh, people take all sorts of heretical positions on different issues confessionally. But if they are in Christ, you can kind of tell, like uh, I have a friend who, is confessionally a Catholic, mm-hmm. but then they're like, oh, we don't need to really condemn people because of their works. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, <laughs> I got you. Um, <laughs> secretly, like Christ brings in his people anyway. So no matter how terrible we are at confessing the truth, <laughs> Christ is faithful. Amen. That's so good. Um, That's right. And talking about the power of the kingdom. Um, you guys know Katie. Katie's been gone for two weeks, mm-hmm. and today I'm going to pick her and Elijah up from the airport, um, which is going to be a blessing. I have missed them terribly. Of course. Um, but being in Christ, I realize my experience 
batching it, as they say, (laughs) has been different from the experience of most men whose wives Uh, go away for an extended period of time or men who go away from their wives for an extended period of time. My experience has been different because I am in Christ and because the gospel has taken root in my life and is efficacious. Uh, I was reflecting back on the relationship I have with with Katie um, over the last two weeks. And it occurred to me, there are many married couples who um, have to get counseling because they fight a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you fight, why? Because your preferences aren't being met. Your expectations mm-hmm. aren't being met. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so desires. You've, you've changed. Uh, that's what we hear, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I realize Katie and I have never, we've never had like a, a bona fide fight, a quarrel with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really raise our voices at each other ever. Um, and I, I, I had to question like, why is that when so many couples have like so many problems and then Katie goes away on a two week vacation and many men are going to struggle with temptation. (laughs) Uh, right. Um, like large amounts of temptation and me, I was concerned about gospel work. I working for the kingdom of God. Uh, I, I was able to enjoy the household chores that I don't normally have to do. I was able to enjoy mm-hmm. those instead of like, com- like, oh, I, need some, I can't wait to care you guys better because I don't want to, you know, <laughs> you know? And, yep. and I, and I, and I, yep. and I, I was not, um, I, at least I did not feel it right. The temptation that most men would struggle with because Christ is my satisfaction because the gospel has taken root in my life and it is efficacious and you wonder like how much power there is like if the gospel has that much pull in my life that i live by grace through faith and i'm not I'm not too worried about self-gratification or, or comfort or getting my way um how i can have so many stressors on my life from the world's perspective right so much on my plate we would hear it described right. that way <laughs> and still be easygoing and not stressed about living and uh you know, uh, just, okay, let's make a list and let's get things done one by one. Like, like, how can somebody do that? Cause the gospel is efficacious. Um, how can, mm-hmm. how can a man like Ken who, who chases people who are breaking the law and sprints for a mile at a time, right? How, how can Ken who sees, who sees hell, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how can he have such an easy spirit, man? And, and not complain about <laughs> everything that's going on. Well, it's cause the gospel is a crisis king. Christ is King and the gospel takes root in our lives and it comes out. So we don't have to freak out about politics. We don't have, we can have our opinions. We don't have to freak out about it. We don't have to freak out about stressors in our lives. Those things don't have to take control. We don't have to idolize like, like money and sex and drugs and rock and roll, you know, like, like the rest of the world. We don't have to do that because the gospel actually does liberate us from that way of living in a way that is not ritualistic, but based on the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like God does that naturally in us because the gospel is effective. So man, if if you want a satisfying life, if you really want to be able to live life to the fullest, um, if you, if you really want to be satisfied in this life, uh, there's only one way to, to get there. and And that's by, by being in Christ. Why? Because the gospel is effective in a way that mere words are not right. Yeah. I think, or in other words, don't war against the kingdom. Yeah. (laughs) Submit. (laughs) 
haven't, haven't tumbled to the idea that I don't know how other way to put it than to tumble the idea. When Christ invites you to himself, he invites you to come and die. Yeah. To die to yourself right. and be alive to him in service to other mm-hmm. people. I, I, I've, I've made this statement before, and I believe it's true. When Christ at all times does the Father's will. All the time he does Father's will. Mm-hmm. For our benefit, I believe, he puts his Father first, us second, and himself third. Which I believe if we did that in our life with our oh. family and out in society, if everyone did that, the kingdom of God would indeed be here. Mm-hmm. But the kingdom of God, we pray for it, right? In the Lord's Prayer, right? <laughs> yes, we do. Come. Yeah. You know? Well, the will of God, the kingdom of God is where the will of God is done. Mm-hmm. And let us let us pray to Jesus that our church, the will of God is done here so that the kingdom of God is among us. It's within us. It's here. It's not going. To, it's not pie in the sky when I die. It's Jesus Christ now, risen from the grave, <laughs> present forever. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's not pie in the sky when I die by and by. It's not heaven. It's now. It's mm-hmm. right now. And and what did the man say? For 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 the heathen, this is the closest to heaven they will ever come. Yeah. And for, and for the God fearing in Christ, this is the closest to hell they'll ever come. Now that one. Wow. That, that's a beautiful statement. It's, it's rough. It is rough. And this offends the world. Sure. They don't want, nobody wants to be told, well, they especially don't want to be told that they may be misconceived. Exactly. What scripture tells us, what? There's two games. There's Christ and there's Beelzebub. Yes. That's it. You're one or the other. Uh, Doug Wilson puts it this way. Uh, (laughs) We're entering into a time where people are realizing that they really do have to choose between Christ or chaos. Exactly. Yeah, love it, love it. God's purposes in all this nonsense. I'm telling you, you know what? We are getting close to total chaos. They want to put a really bad tax on cigars, and I'm not happy. No, 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 no. It takes a unique kind of evil to do something like that, PA. I'm telling you, Ken. I'm telling you right now. It's like they want to take a five dollar cigar and tax it into a fourteen dollar cigar. And I'm like, no. Mm. I'm, I'm, mad. I'm, mad. I'm mad. He's, he's out of here. <laughs> and with that, he's Bye. out. <laughs> you better go to the Indian reservation. He just, he's too worked up right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, within the last 100 years, there has been, did I just say 100 instead of 100? Man, my, my gangsta's word. Is it? <laughs> yeah, uh, so in the last 100 years, um, there's been such a downgrade um, in the doctrine of the church, which Albert, you've mentioned that, and, and soteriology and the kingdom of God, um, all of those doctrines um, that people did, Christians, uh, a group who once believed that the kingdom of God was at hand and was here in Christ, um, started to compartmentalize religion and religion is something you do in order to prepare for heaven. Like, that's why you go to church, because God is preparing you for heaven. It's like, no, we are the church. Christ's kingdom is here now. There is a future resurrection state. Yes. We are being sanctified for that, right? Um, the part of sanctification that is the process. We are being sanctified for that and for Christ. 
Um, but the, the kingdom of God is here now and it is effective and it is very powerful. So the, the downfall of compartmentalizing religion meant that Christians weren't living in the power of the gospel anymore. Instead, they were, it, it became, a, became a mental activity, uh, an informational mm-hmm. pursuit anything else and that's that's why you have so many that's why i think you have so many uh preachers falling morally and that's why i think you have so many guys like the guy at desiring god who recently uh confessed that he left the faith he's no longer a christian right Mm. Um, why you have guys like that because it's it's all intellectual Uh, for some reason it all became words and they didn't actually experience the power of the gospel the conviction of the holy spirit and the and and not only the conviction, but the restoring power of the gospel. Um, I think about the way I feel now as compared to before I uh, confessed my faith in Jesus Christ, before Christ converted me, gave me a new heart, regenerated my heart. Yeah. And it's, I, I just, I feel lighter. Um, <coughs> I, I, I see all the problems everybody else struggles with. And I'm like, that just seems so trivial to me now. Yes. Um, and it's not, and it's not <laughs> yeah. because of words or philosophies. You can't force that to happen. Like, Easier said than done. Well, yes, yeah. for worldly people, easier said than done. But for people who are really in Christ and who haven't experienced false conversion, but have really been converted to Christ, who, who yeah. are really in the kingdom, um, it just naturally that all that just seems trivial now. It's not worth getting upset about. I'm, I'm, I'm in Christ. Um, yes. You know that that really has mm. a lot of. Of evidence of there to the show that it's not and and people <laughs> it, it it's in it's in the god in the gospel right so i mean my goodness like and i, I don't i'm gonna have to watch it later to catch what you said because i still am i'm just saying <laughs> oh here I'll, I'll repeat myself but, and i'll pause before i repeat myself speaking of pie in the sky did you see ken's shirt yeah <laughs> But speaking of com- com- well, oh what's, mm, what's pie, that, what's, what's that? What's that word you use? Compartmentalize. 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 Well, think of, think of this: when you look, when you see a person, Sorry. say a black man, do you see what do you see first? The black man or just a human being? When you when you look at someone, understand this one. Some people say, right. "Oh, tattoos are not Christian." When you look at someone who's a Christian, and he has tattoos. What do you see? A man? Do you see a woman? Or do you see the tattoos, which are going to divide you? We compartmentalize more than we oh. realize that we do. Oh, that made my head hurt. We, we, look, we look at uh, someone who is wearing clothes that the oil hasn't been changed in three, three weeks, and, and we put them over here in this compartment. These are people I really don't want to associate with. Right. And that is anti-gospel. When we, when we see someone, do we see a child of the living God? Or do we see one of these, do we put them in a, this, mm. you're a Jew, you're a rabbi, you're a Arab, you're, you know, you're, you're black, you're an Indian, American Indian. You're, that, that's, that's not, that's not Christian. That's not Christ. Christ didn't come to, to say this group is better than this group. It's different. It's not, it's not better. It's not, it's just different. Right. And you know, people don't like different though. You know, I'll tell you, God must really love colored people because he made many, many of them, <laughs> many of them, you know, Ken, more than, more that's than white people. Ken, what were you about to say, bro, before I so rudely interrupted you and pointed out your t-shirt? <laughs> you must have that in your ear. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to be interrupted. Like, normally, it's no big deal. But if you get interrupted on a, on a, a bad 
you know, uh, internet call. It's like, well, I'll be back. I'm going to go get some more coffee and go to the bathroom. <laughs> but, no, I was, <laughs> I was going to, um, I was going to say like, it, it's just so evident that the, the salvation of man is in the, the power of God and the gospel, because, you know, not, not to make put, and put this, this group on any pedestal or anything, but being among the, the men uh, of, of desiring God, that ministry, I mean, my goodness, like they, there, there must be just, and, and maybe I'm totally wrong here, but I would imagine uh, with, with the, the amount of uh, loving people that I've seen and uh, I've heard from and the, the rock solid theology that comes out of uh, ministries like that, uh, I, I just would naturally think, man, like you you could put, throw an atheist in the in the center of that group and then convert them, right? But, but you can't like like you could you, you we preach the gospel. We could be as faithful as as uh, you know anyone in, in throughout history uh, since the day of Jesus, and and it won't it won't ultimately change a life. It's God's God and His His power of election and reviving the people that he chooses supernaturally. And, and while it's essential to hear the gospel um, and for men to preach it, um, all people to preach it, um, it is, it is God through the regeneration work of the Holy spirit that brings people to life. It doesn't matter where you are, uh, what you, you could be amongst the most sound people. You could be amongst the most heretical people uh, or any, any kind of Avenue in, in between those two extremes. And it's, it's God that, that saves, sanctifies and glorifies and no one else. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good the message is. If it's falling on deaf ears. Yes, <laughs> yeah. The, uh... mm-hmm. I've noticed now, you know, that I'm a little older <laughs> and have this malady. It was very difficult for me to have people wait on me to serve me because mm. somehow you got that John Wayne type right. thing, you know. And the more, the, the older I get, yeah. and the, can I say weaker physically, and people want to help me, I say, yes, please do, because I think that it brings joy to them to do it. And I appreciate oh, it. Man. And if I, you know, I can pray for people and I can do a little something. But you come to depend on other people. It's a dependency that is not a, a sick dependency. It's a mutual dependency. Kathy and I have a mutual dependency. I, I depend on her and she depends on me. I've told her and I believe this. I hope that she goes before me to meet the father in Christ, because I know she'll be unhappy. It'll, she'll be sad, and I would rather I be sad than her. I, just, I, I think the pain would be excruciating. It'd be it pass, mm-hmm. but it'd be there all the time. It's, it's it would be something that's just on the edge. Mm-hmm. When you start when you start really loving people, you don't see their their little phobias, you know, like. Scratching their ear, or what you know, whatever you can think of. Right. You, you don't you you don't notice that it's no longer a, a big deal, mm. or picking their teeth with a toothpick, which drives me crazy. You you just accept it. You accept people for where they are, knowing that <laughs> yeah. Christ Christ is still working on them. Mm. And, and that's amazing. Too. Wisdom, if you man, think you yeah. stand, you 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 will fall. It's 
elders of the church are no better than the church members. That's right. As a matter of fact, probably the sin of an elder is greater than the sin of, of a church member because mm. he's teaching and he should at least know better, even if he's not doing better. And this is what strikes my heart, yeah. to do something even while I'm doing it, knowing that it's not the right thing to do, mm-hmm. such as yelling at somebody we won't mention for something which is so insignificant that, that it boggles the mind. And then after you get through the other side, it crushes your heart. Mm-hmm. And you say, why do I do this? Well, I do the things I don't want to do like Paul. It is so, it's humiliating and crushing, but it doesn't destroy. I, I think Christ uses that to, to squeeze you <laughs> into the mold. Yeah. And we fight that mm-hmm. because we're sinners. We just fight it. And the, the first church I pastored, mm. um, Salisaw, Oklahoma. Mm. It was the first church I got kicked out of, too. So Cool. <laughs> Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I recognize um, how much more mature I've become in Christ since I pastored the church in Salisaw. Because we walked into the church at Salisaw um, one of the first Sundays I was there. And we noticed um, like stuff thumbtacked into the walls, like all down the hallway. Uh, which that's a pet peeve of mine. Don't use a thumbtack to hang something up on the wall. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, stop. Don't do it. <laughs> you know. And, and you know, part of the reason was also like safety because we had children in the church <laughs> pulling out the thumbtacks and poking each other. I don't know. <laughs> so I had, I had so many pet peeves and the longer I've been in Christ and the more I've grown in Christ, I've noticed that all of the pet peeves I used to have, they're virtually gone. Like there's almost nothing like that that bothers me anymore. Yes. Um, and it's just because Christ is giving me his heart, which is amazing. Um, so all those little things that used to make me all tense and like, Oh, I can't believe they're doing this. No, I don't, like, people get all uptight. That's just a sign of immaturity in the faith. Like when we have the heart of Christ, it's, you can address the things that are, that are wrong. You can address those safety issues, but you don't have to be uptight. You can reason with current cultural trends or, or against them, you know, um, whatever you're doing without getting so bent out of shape about it and uptight about it. And that I think is the gravitas that, that we have the freedom of experiencing in Christ, um, especially the more mature believers. And it's, um yeah being uptight like that that's a that is a sign of immaturity spiritual immaturity and nothing wrong with spiritual immaturity right we all have to be there at some point oh yeah oh yeah but we don't we don't want to stay there we want to grow up we're all immature in in some in some some respects yeah yeah there are others that are more mature there there are people sometimes younger than you are that are more mature in christ than 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 you are i've I believe that. Yeah. I, I truly believe that. I don't think an elder has to be the apex. Well, yeah, he does in a way. <laughs> but he doesn't. He, he no, should not be. an apex predator. Exactly. <laughs> and if, yeah. well, that's not where he was going. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he, should, he should be someone you can emulate without, yeah. without falling blindly. Right. right. You, it's, it, the church should study scripture so that they can hold the elder's feet to the fire, if you will. And say what you know. This is what Scripture it. says, and compare what he says to Scripture, not not to preference, no, uh, not to the expectations that we have that aren't biblical. But whatever a preacher says, whatever a pastor says, whatever an elder says, it's 
needs to be compared to the text of scripture. And again, we don't put burdens on pastors that scripture doesn't place on pastors. No. Yeah, we don't no, put, they're good we don't enough put, to do that themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't exceed the word. Right. Yeah. Oh, and the same, the same with fluff. deacons and pastors, the same with church members. Don't put burdens on church members that the Bible itself doesn't put on church members. That's, that's, uh, that's adding to the text which isn't there. that is exceeding the word of God. And it's yeah. not good. It does nothing but build burden. It's yeah. it's an error a little bit less or, or putting more on it, but not preaching at all. It's a, it's the same error. Yeah, yeah. Just different different ramifications. Yeah. But I, I you know I I look forward to seeing Jesus, and I'll tell you what. Oh, I do too. What I think I, I think I'm going to find out is God is infinitely better than I I ever thought. Mm-hmm. Isn't that awesome? I, I think I will. And I'm thinking that maybe the first emotion I will have when I meet him is I will be embarrassed. I don't think so. You don't think I'll be embarrassed that I, that, that I didn't trust him fully in this life? No. I think his faithfulness will take care of that. You yeah. think so? I think so. Yeah. Well, I find that encouraging. But... I find it shocked. Mm-hmm. I've had that thought. What's it going to be like? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed now. Sometimes yeah. when I think about what I've done and yeah. what I think, uh, I'm embarrassed now. But I, I think that embarrassment is a misuse of the emotions that God that God gave us. Um, So he he gave us the ability to reflect on ourselves, to weigh ourselves, to measure ourselves, to consider our ways. Right. And I think being um, embarrassed, uh, I think is a sinful outworking of our considering ourselves, considering our ways. Was that right? You never thought of that. That, Just like, just like empathy, I think is a sinful expression of this, the ability God gave us to sympathize with others. Um, well, we can talk about that later. We don't have time to get into that today. Yeah, um, but there are, there are many emotions that we idolatrize and make them sinful. Um, but God gave them to be good. Well, yeah. right? oh. Lust is one of those. Lust is a misuse of, of, of the ability to love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need to have this discussion sometime. Yeah. My head's full. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are almost out of time. Ken, you, you have anything else to say? You're just waiting patiently over there. I can see this spot over here. I was going to do this. Oh, yeah. What? What? Oh, <laughs> I think, I think my internet's right. finally gotten a little better now that we're, we're, oh, we're done. So. Oh, yeah, yeah uh, of course. It is. Come on, Elon Musk. <laughs> I'm glad we have you for Give me my stardust. Yeah, seriously. Oh, did you say give me my stardust? Yeah, I thought it weird twist on Starlink. <laughs> you, you've been watching too much stuff from Apology at Church, man. Ooh. Yeah, I have. Yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> so have I. Uh, Jeff Durbin, you got it going on, man. All right. A... <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Blacktop Pulpit by the Church at Sunsites. Be sure to, yeah, there it is, Blacktop Pulpit by the Church at Sunsites. <laughs> Uh, be sure to check out the church at sunsites.com uh, and check out all of the resources we have there for you, past Bible studies, sermons, pray over the ministry that we are doing in our community, and be sure to hit that donate button. Uh, all donations made to the church at Sunsites as a result of the Blacktop Pulpit go to our Deacons Benevolence Fund so that our deacons can continue to serve our local church and community for the purpose of the gospel. Thank you again for joining us. We will catch you next time.